I've been accused uh, just recently of uh, saying um and uh too much and not being professional. So let's be professional and do the, uh, let's see, original, it's Greg, or uh, the anti-ETH. Red, it's your call. Let's see. We haven't had it's Greg in a while. We keep playing the anti-ETH because that's... It's Greg. Yeah, as, as one of the <laughs> listeners said, that I seem to be able to sell that one a lot better than, uh, <laughs> than the... No- okay, let me turn that off. Here where you are. Don't move. Don't reach for them guns. Take it easy, you galoots. Put away the hardware and relax. It's Greg. in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. I actually did turn it off, uh, so everybody's in a blackout right now. The mysterious, the unexplainable. You guys hear me? That is why you are here. Yes. Okay. And now for the first time, we by five. You, you know that term. I don't believe it. On that We're in the pipe. Day. Five by five. <laughs> we are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about... Radio Mysterioso. Usually I use that precious, precious time to be able to uh, check up on problems in the uh, the studio here, which is my desk. Um, but uh, that that time I use it to get to get us back the, the hell back on the air because we were uh, I, I was stuck on that computer. So all right, uh, now everything's working great. Can you guys still hear me? Yes. Ah, oh, okay, good. Yep. All right, let me let me uh, turn you up a little bit so I can hear you better. Form of a radio mysterioso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened recently? Today I looked and apparently somebody and I, he didn't name me, so I will not name him. Um, <laughs> but he said that uh, uh, the interview with um, with Ritzman was very unprofessional, didn't do ufology any favors, and just made everything look bad and shows how horrible everything was. So when things like that happen, I get a little bit irritated. Um, but I usually recover within uh, about what? With about, within about 20 minutes. And I'm fine. So I'm fine now. But I still wanted to talk about, you know, on this show, I'm usually trying to be very informal, yet still send out um, information, give out information, and not be so, what? Here's my question, here's your answer. Here's my question, here's your answer. I don't like that. Also, uh, he suggested I shouldn't be interviewing friends. Before that talk, I hardly knew Jeff Ritzman, really. I knew him (sighs) by some messages on Facebook. So we just found out that we were on the same wavelength pretty much on a lot of things. 
um, I think what he was scared of, actually, or irritated with, besides the quote-unquote non-professional nature of what I was saying, was that um, we were talking about things that weren't going to advance the field at all, like how to have your own UFO <laughs> experience. And do you, do you think mm. guys listened to it? Because I will not fault you if you didn't. I loved it. Okay. It's, I haven't yet. Okay. I mean, I'm, whenever I see a, 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 I never have a chance to listen to the um, to the to the shows live, or I rarely do these days. Um, but uh, whenever I get a chance to see that pop up in my feed, that's the first thing I first thing I listen to. And I thought I thought it was great. I mean, I here's the thing. To me, it's feel, kind of like feel free to because I want to. I saw this criticism, and I was kind of like, "Well, God damn it, you know, eat, you know, eat shit. I don't care." And then I'm thinking, look, no. "Well, maybe there's somewhat of a point to this." No, I mean, look, I'm not going to walk into a great steak restaurant in Chicago and walk out saying, well, my burrito wasn't that good. You know, like it's not, <laughs> it's not like there are certain places that you go for certain vibes and certain feelings. And I, I, I feel like if you want the formal interview thing, there is no shortage of other shows that are doing something really strict and rigid. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. the interviewing your, if there is a, if there is a fault of radio Mysterioso, it's, um, Maybe you know, you know I'm stretching here, right? It's maybe no. I've, I I want to hear faults. That's why that's that's why I asked. It's if anything, it's maybe a little bit of an echo chamber. Um, yes, it is. But I don't know if that's I don't know if that's because of you or if it's because people are not receptive to coming on here or what. But that you know, I, I, I hear a lot of ideas that you're receptive to on here, and you know, maybe maybe it might be a good idea to inject some you know some things that you're not comfortable with. But at the same time. You, the part of the reason that you're engaging with these people and with these alternative ideas is that you've sifted and winnowed all the other ones at this point already, you know. Yeah, I, you know, in a way, you're right there. I'm, I'm not here to, um, I'm not doing this because I want people to to learn about things and get an introduction to different types of people and have kind of a smorgasbord of all these different things. Or even that they're respectable or or whatever. I, I I really don't care about that. What I care about is learning things for myself. And that, that is the that is ninety percent of the show. If I'm interested and I'm learning something or somebody's either pushing me in a direction that I like or, you know, even disagreeing I've had people disagree with me on the show and I've disagreed with them. But it's not it's never nasty. So yeah, it is a bit of an echo chamber because I kind of am into what I'm into, and if there is a, um, you know, if I go off in a different direction, I'll go off in that direction. And I I guess I'm not going to change the show to please the audience. I, I don't have to because I don't, you know, I don't, I don't advertise. I don't, uh, I don't take a, a, any kind of salary th- for this. I looked at the pat- Patreon thing, but I think I'm too narrow for that kind of thing. It's not. I'm not doing. I'm not providing a service like uh, Rogan or uh, Soraya. They're, they're more wide ranging in, in their talks, and I'd like to do that. I'd like to do it a little bit more, but it doesn't happen often. Um, uh, David Weatherly was uh, one example of it not being just a UFO talk. We talked about all kinds of things, and people really like that show. Here's the here's the thing uh, that bothered me the most about uh, what this person said about the show. Uh, because he mentioned his own background in radio, you know, back in the day, uh, 
so I guess he was using that as um, I don't know uh, uh, as a certain uh, like a background or, or a certain like um, I don't know landmark in order to try to 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 judge the content of of this uh, of this program of this podcast and I think that he is not really understanding the medium. You know, I, I, to me, to try to ask podcasts to be more like a, like a regular radio, radio broadcast is like when happen, when it happened when um, when television was uh, you know just starting, and right. the first TV shows were pretty much pretty much like a radio show just with you know with moving pictures. People didn't understand the medium. People didn't understand the potential of television. It happened, you know, until much later, you know, when more daring producers started to play, started to, to expand the boundaries of what could be done with uh, this new medium that was completely different from, from the, uh, the previous medium, which was, you know, uh, radio or maybe even theater, right? So... What I love the most about uh, uh, podcasting is precisely what he was criticizing. You know, I like the loose and informal tone of the podcast. And I know that many people uh, do as well. You know, I mean, many people love the fact that they feel when they're listening to a conversation between, you know, the the, the host of the show and, and his guest, that it feels like he's on a bar with those guys having a beer. Right, right. right? Yeah. And, and and I feel that's, that's what I like too because there, there, is a, a, there is an intimacy and there is a, 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 an informality and a, and a looseness that allows for, a, for, to me, a much more interesting, a much more deep conversation than if you were to, you know, cut... The, the 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 interview every 10 minutes say okay we have to go you know to a commercial break when we get back you know we will continue to discuss so and so and it's like ah no i i don't like that and that's why you know i i don't listen to a lot of radio shows nowadays i prefer i prefer podcasts and and the podcasts that i enjoy the most are the podcasts that kind of follow the, the informal format of radio mysterioso now to be fair you know this individual Obviously cared enough to say something, right? You know? Obviously, you know, like is is open minded and on board. So I don't want to, you know, be that harsh. But uh, but yeah, it's just like you know, you, you you walk through the door with a certain set of expectations, and if you want them to bring something that they're not, then it's kind of mind boggling as, as to why you'd you know be be taken aback. And the friends thing just doesn't. I mean, maybe it says something about how you know kind both of you are because i i think i think both of uh, a lot of both you and uh, and jeff so maybe it says a lot of t- as, as to how uh, affable you guys are that you guys seem like friends right off the bat i enjoy talking with people that are one intelligent and two non-dogmatic to the point where you know if i have them on the show and i'm talking to them that i could bring up just about anything and they would not get upset or offended or you know feel like i was attacking them 
because I never want to do that with people. I mean, if I got to be that way with somebody on the show, there's no, why do I have them on the show? That's, that's not my show attacking people. But if somebody says something like uh, Ren Collier was, Collier was on and he said something about everybody, everybody has the capacity to do anything. And I said, no, I don't agree with that. And we had a discussion about it for probably 15 minutes. Just him pushing the, you know, if you try hard enough, you can be Einstein and me saying, no, you can't. <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, I, I think I had a subsequent conversation with him and I, I sort of said the same thing. And, you know, he's, you know, he's a, he's a friend of mine. He's nice and chill. And he's like, oh, you know, it's a difference of opinion. You know, yeah. and we had a difference of opinion. We didn't we did not care. We moved on. And then there's people I want to interview or have interviewed that scare the crap out of me, like Dean Radin. I always feel like mm. I'm saying something really stupid around him. Uh, because he's so ridiculously intelligent, so I, I feel like I'm like you know, being I, I felt that way with MJ um, a bit, and uh, just about everybody actually. But then it, when it comes to somebody that I don't know really well, or I consider way ahead of me, I start getting kind of I get more formal. I try not to, but I get more formal because I'm kind of backing up and going, I "Don't say anything stupid." The thing about my show is I try to be 100% honest, not hide some agenda, not hide really my feelings about something except to be you know civilized about it when i have have a negative feeling about it that's just my style and yeah i guess for podcasting it's not as steve just put on here with a uh, on the radio mysterio so uh um facebook page um there's an article about ra- radio as a secondary medium at this point it is it's uh, people have to realize people that are in radio some of them are realizing this and switching over and and um, taking uh, taking the podcasting thing and saying, okay, this is part of our the podcast network is part of our network as well, and including that, the dumb ones are not including it at all and just ignoring it, and they're going to be out. So I'm glad I'm doing this, and I've been doing it for a long time, and I've you know, it's not like I don't I don't know the subject. The other thing about it is he's, he he's, the the comment was that I, I was not doing the, the field any the field any service and that the stuff was too insider and it was uh, informal and made the field look bad in some oh, way. No, was it? It's like, was it, screw was it like, that. I want to make it look bad. Was it Jeff's methods that he was upset about? Or? Yeah, partially. And then he said there were so so many ums and uhs and you know, and it was excruciating to listen to. Granted, I did not edit, edit that one very much. I usually edit out my ums and uhs because I don't want to sound well, stupid. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, let's get back to this idea that of uh, doing the field a service. When does the field of ufology or this thing that we call ufology uh, became a crusade all of a, all of a sudden, you know, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't it's, all of a sudden. It's, it's, I mean, it's probably back from Kehoe, you know? Okay. Yeah, sure. There is these people whose agenda is to trying to show the world that we're not crazies, that we're not a bunch of idiots, you know, who are wasting their life, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> devoting so much time in trying to, to learn about uh, th- this topic that for 90% of the people in the world is plain nonsense. You know, and I, I really don't give a damn about that. You know, I mean, it's it's important to me, uh, even if it never attained that level of respectability. In fact, I think that if ufology became 
that respectful became, you know, somehow embraced by the mainstream, it would it would lose some of its allure to me. Yeah, one, it would lose its allure, and two, and I think for me more importantly, it would lose its grip on trying to figure out what the what the f- what the phenomenon is. Because I think the, the we've talked about this before. The phenomenon is completely un, unstructured and un to, to quote Jeff Ritzman actually that show. It's unstructured and thrives on non-structure and, and chaos and, and, and tricksterism. It's just the way it is. If you try to um, corner it with normal science, I think it's not, it's not going to stay under that thumb. It's going to start keep squeezing out from under that thumb. And you may nail down a little bit of it, you know, 10% of it. But I think the other 90% has a lot more to do with, with us and our psychology than it does with a repeatable scientific thing or even you know, like a Hestdale and Lights thing where you go out and record some phenomena, show that it's a real phenomena, show that it's, it can't be reflected from somewhere else and that is, you know, it is, uh, it is uh, independent of any kind of outside, output, uh, outside input. That kind of stuff can be done with science, but for the effects on people and on societies and individually, I don't know if that's a scientific pursuit. It, it may be a scientific yeah. pursuit if science changes to meet it. If you see, what I, I, mean. I suspect that I suspect that you're right. I mean, it sort of reminds me of an old writing Oops. about music is like dancing about architecture. Yeah, um, uh-huh. <laughs> which you know is, is like may, maybe maybe the very maybe the very basis of whatever this is is just unknowable from that standpoint. I mean, parts of it might be knowable as you know, we talk about, as you talk with uh, MJ about, um, you know, trace landing, you know, uh, evidence and, and whatnot. So I yeah. think aspects of it might be knowable, but the actual, like sure. the actual source core of the phenomena. Yeah. yeah. Source. I mean, just might not be, might, it's, it's like trying to quantify a spiritual experience. You know, it's just, it doesn't make sense. You can't do it. Yeah. I just looked again because for some reason when I was Facebooking something or other or getting the show ready, um, remember you posted, um, Josh posted that thing about mm-hmm. the collider and the guy saying that uh, particle physics explains why there's no, that ghosts are, that do not exist. <laughs> yeah, it's mm. one of the stupidest things. Yeah. Why yeah, was that. it a it's... stupid thing? Because I, I read it and I sort of understood what he was talking about. But what I got from it is that if the if the universe is quantifiable in a particle physics way, which it is, a lot of it, um, does that mean the entire universe conforms to that paradigm? I, I don't. I'm not a scientist. I could be talking on my ass. In fact, I know I am. I mean, I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand every single bit of it. But to me, it was one of those situations where there were so many uh, basically philosophical assumptions um, and also assumptions about what ghosts are in, in a sort of way um, that I just felt like it was, it was on, it was on logically shaky ground to begin with. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that if, I think that if some of those, some of those bedrock paradigmatic are indeed correct, then yes, his argument makes sense. But if, if any one of those things is not, as he and his colleagues suspect, then uh, then it's a completely different matter altogether. Does that sort of make sense of where I was coming from? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does, and I, I, I mean, it's I agreed. It's this, it's this idea again. This idea that I mean, obviously, certain things, certain 
ideas that we have are not going to change, right? I mean, like, the idea that there will actually be a flat Earth widely accepted <laughs> among the scientific establishment is is a non-starter. Right, um, sure. But there are other things that are just as fundamental. And again, if you look at the sort of the way that the tide is turning in favor of consciousness studies, um, it just seems awfully presumptive that what that we are not making the exact same uh the exact same mistakes of of previous generations in terms of assuming that commonly held scientific knowledge is going to remain inviolable you know for the next few centuries yeah you you i don't think that because usually when people make these assumptions um, not all of it is is contained in their paradigm, and it, it's it, it's weird to think that somebody's paradigm is the the be all end all when it's been proven that the be all end all n- never happens. It's just a, it's let's build on a piece of knowledge. Let's you know realize that part of it is ridiculous, doesn't work. Some of it does. It does it does seem to explain the physical world. And then the third part is to throw away part of the model, no matter how much effort you put into it, when it doesn't seem to work. Um, and sometimes I think that when people are um, involved in research like that, uh, and I'm sure they have a great answer for this, uh, that, that uh, they don't realize they're involved in a continuum and I, and that that's my next point that I wanted to ask both of you about. It's like, do you, do you think a lot of a lot of times when somebody does make a declarative statement like this on either side, actually, is because, uh, and I see this with quite a few people on either side, is because they're more annoyed with the people that hold that thing that they don't like than they are with the actual opinion itself. If you know what I mean. Yes, I think, and I'll, I'll let I'll, I won't monopolize the mic anymore. I'll let Red speak here in a second. But I think <laughs> I, I thought he was about Sorry, to hang up. Actually, yeah. I think that it comes from, in some cases, like someone who says that we have a smoking gun that aliens have been visiting Earth. Um, when, when you, that would be sort of on the believer side. Um, I think what it is, it's it's sort of born out of a combination of of desperation, and to be honest, you know, also a combination of them looking at these things um, over a period of time that has really helped to coalesce and solidify some of these viewpoints. I mean, people can't cram into sound bites years of experience as to why they've developed this opinion. So they say something, you know, a very uh, reductionist and extreme to sort of get across what they have experienced. If that makes any sense, that'll, that'll be my take on it. At least. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is really like, I don't know how much of it's animosity for people not paying attention. Um, but uh, I mean, that would, that would sort of be my take is like, I really want to get this, uh, this point across to you really quickly in, in punchy, you know, The thing is that it's very difficult to try to um, untie, as it were, the idea from from the person, right? It's so easy to fall into ad hominem attacks when it comes to people who hold uh, sometimes diametrically opposite point of view than yours. I mean... Uh, you start to, you know, instantly dislike a person who has uh, a completely different opinion than yours. You know, I mean, it's 
uh, it's so easy for people like us who have uh, very unorthodox ideas about uh, consciousness, about you know the the, the, the survival of uh, consciousness after death, perhaps, and to to look at people like Richard Dawkins, you know, and 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 the way that they express their ideas with this certain I don't know smugness. Uh, uh, this uh, certainty that is so characteristic of, of the skeptic movement, at, at least among the most vocal spokesmen persons in the movement, and it's so easy to 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 instantly dislike and react in a very you know uh, uh, I don't know emotional way. You know when when you listen to to. To people promoting ideas that you, that you don't agree with, I and mean, it's it, it, it's the problem that it's kind of like a paradox. Yeah, if you didn't care about a certain topic, you wouldn't react in a, in an in an emotional way when discussing it. But at the same time, you also wouldn't mind. You know, you probably wouldn't even care enough in order to to actually uh, get involved in the conversation in the first place. So it's so that's that's a, uh, something that we have to take into consideration. You know, how these feuds that you find between skeptics and believers, or even among people in the same field, but, but that have very different takes about the nature of the phenomenon. <clears throat> you know, e.g., the notes, the nuts and bolters. Uh, against people who uh, hold or, or, or to take into consideration more out there ideas, and I guess <laughs> we three fall into that category very easily. Uh, it's obvious that you know, the moment you listen to something that you don't agree with, you're probably going to also find uh, many other defects in the person who is giving that message that will, you know, you will use to try to attack them. For example, you know, that, that person who is saying something that you don't agree with, with tends to, you know, say too many arms or us. You know? <laughs> yeah. I noticed this too, when people are commenting, because I've had a site for Radio Mysterioso for many years now, uh, the, the one online, you know, for the site that probably a lot of people are listening to this on right now and the Facebook posts and a few times I've noticed, every, as soon as I notice somebody getting personal, like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard, you're full of crap, you know. Um, as soon as it starts getting emotional, I, I actually either message them privately and say, cut it out. Because if you, start, if you keep calling somebody names, whether I agree with you or not, I'm banning you off the site. I don't want to have to deal with this. It's stupid. I don't want to see people fighting. Because as soon as people start calling each other names or, you know, it gets personal, then ideas stop, stop flowing. Um, exchange of ideas stop flowing once, people, once you get into defense mode, emotional defense mode. And mm -hmm. um, that happens n not frequently because I think I've, I'm pretty strongly enforced that when I see it happening. Like right away, I'll write to the person. Um, you, can, you can disagree. I, I love it when people disagree because then I can see what my favorite kind of debate is when somebody that two people who really know what they're talking about go on head to head and 
are civilized about it. And that almost never happens, as far as I can tell. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's this is this is my damn it, kids, get off my lawn moment for the night, I guess. But like, I wonder <laughs> if it's, I wonder if has, has it always been this way? I mean, you you mostly see it on the internet, but like, I mean, have have people always been this this forthcoming about? Just, no, I think it used to be an aberration, and when you'd have somebody on, like uh, God, I'm trying to think, like uh, uh, who was a pioneer of this kind of television? Uh, um, Morton Downey, Morton. remember him? Who? No, oh. not really. Okay, <laughs> I'm an old person. <laughs> this guy in the '80s, '90s, Morton Downey Jr. had a show. I think he was from Chicago. He had a show, and basically he had people yell at each other and throw in chairs and stuff. Um, oh yeah, and and people enjoyed that, and uh, you know, uh, I think, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when that became popular, that that they realized that uh, uh, theater was more important, at least to uh, to um, to media, to te- televised media, than than actual exchange of ideas. And at that point, I think that, that I think that was kind of a tipping point, at least as I see it, where. Um, deeply held beliefs and uh, opinions uh, were put together just to watch. You know, let, let's get these two. To, it was like just like watching a, an MMA match, except it's people supposedly having a debate. And yep. you know, and we've talked about this before on the show, all of us. That uh, they, this, since more people have been on the internet, I see it a lot more. And also in the last, you know, about about year politically. People I've known for a long time have started to, started to get to the point where they don't seem as what's the word accepting of other people tolerant. They seem way less tolerant. Yeah, yeah. We are more yeah, easily because, triggered, right? Well, and, and I think it's because there's there's a, a very much concerted, um, a very much concerted effort to encourage tolerance. I mean, I'm not going to go to the old chestnut of you're not to- tolerating my intolerance, so therefore you're intolerant. I mean, I think there's some truth to that, but <laughs> I, I mean, I know, and I do think there's some truth to that. But at the same time, like there are certain people who think that those of a like-minded worldview share a monopoly on truth, and that's just false. But they're still tolerant, you know. Yeah, that's the narrative that you that you hear is that even you know, well, we're still tolerant except for people who don't know what's going on, and they're all idiots. You know, yeah. I'm tolerant of people who who understand that ghosts don't exist. You know, it's like yeah. no, you <laughs> you you haven't had my life experiences. You can go pound sand. Yeah, well, it, of course they're saying, well, of course you're deluding yourself and saying, um, I I think that's disingenuous and it's rude actually. I mean, it, I somebody I know, I don't know about her very much. Maybe I should have her on the show, UFO researcher. I don't know her belief system or anything. She posted something I would like to read um, yesterday. I saw this and I said, exactly. Oh, my God. It sounds like I said this. Um, Is it a haiku? No, it isn't, unfortunately. Oh, it should be. Let, let's, let's make one out of this. Um, <laughs> for those who dimi- dismiss UFO and ET contact phenomena, which I'm already disagreeing with, without reasonable investigation, Aristotle had a thought. It's the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Uh, unquote. Simply put, there is a way for anyone to investigate a challenging subject without making it your own or threatening your current view of reality. Healthy human being, beings flow, expand, and are adaptable when necessary. Our comfort zone can protect us or hold us back. 
If we want to grow in an understanding of this uh, amazing world which we are a part, and we also contribute in a positive way, absorbing new ideas, ideas is essential. Yet we must find a balanced pace that works for us individually so we do not find ourselves in information overload. In that case, we will slam the door to new experiences and return to our familiar comfort zone, potentially stunting our personal growth. A couple more sentences. It just got blocked out by a pop-up window. To begin, (laughs) emotional (laughs) attachment is a first good – detachment is a first good step, as is recognizing there's nothing that I need to do, in quotes, with the information other than ponder. Initially, I try to see it as information and not label it as good or bad or right or wrong, just a tool for building a hypothesis. I have no need to commit to long-term acceptance. This has allowed me to go places in consciousness and personal growth where I previously feared to tread. As a result, I've grown by leaps and bounds in many areas of my life. While that is not exactly what I'd say, but it's basically the, the, you know, the same thing that I think. Don't, you don't have to become emotionally attached. Actually, no, you should not become emotionally attached to your opinion, especially if it has to do with weird stuff like this. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to turn off this uh, message thing here because every, t- every time somebody sends me a message, it actually goes ding, and it sounds like <laughs> – yeah, and it sounds like it's because it, people have been listening to the show, and they said, "Is that something I'm supposed to pay attention to?" <laughs> did In somebody this corner? Yeah. Did somebody just have a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you have to pay a quarter every time that goes off. <laughs> yeah. People are going to start to wonder, and if Radio Mysterioso is being broadcast from the back of some herb shop. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, somebody's. Uh, some, it won't let me turn it off. Preferences. Turn off sound. Okay, I guess they're going to be dinging throughout here. Um, synchronicities will, will abound. The approach is, what's the word? Uh, non-emotional uh, skepticism, I guess, in the, in the best, in the best uh, sense of the word. Non-emotional entertaining of ideas that challenge you. Yeah. And the ideas have to be entertaining too. I mean, I'm not like I said. I'm not going to talk about stuff that I don't want to talk about on this show. Why should sure. I? Well, if you've ever sat through an entire political election cycle, Ugh. and you haven't had that, mo- and you haven't had that moment where you go, "Wait a minute, what if what if I'm the asshole?" Like, if you haven't had that <laughs> moment happen to you, then I think you need to seriously <laughs> reevaluate, you know, your own worldview. Um, cause I mean, God knows I've had that with my religion. I've had that. Um, I mean, not necessarily, you know, that I'm the jerk, but, um, you know, what, what if, what if I'm the one who's, who's wrong? What if I'm the one not seeing this right? Right. Exactly. Um, you you also have to and, keep that in mind too. I might be wrong. People don't like it because it's horrifying. Yeah. Um, to have, especially if it's something that sort of defines your personality, it's even more horrifying. You know, yeah. it's, it's 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 even worse than being bad about something. This is a path that you shouldn't have even gone down because you're completely wrong. You know, and I think that really, really, really freaks that out. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, does. The, the The internet uh, has created a lot of really interesting social uh, developments. You know that as uh, geographic nationalism is. is uh, well, at least until the, uh, the last five years, was starting to lose a lot of grip and a lot of, uh, you know, power among, among people. Then some sort of uh, digital tribalism started to emerge, you know, people who were gathering 
in uh, certain online forums, ch sharing or exchanging ideas, agreeing or disagreeing. And, you know, thus it created some sort of, you know, like cliques, you know, or, 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 or bands or people. And uh, one of the disadvantages of all of this is that uh, these forums have started to bec become echo chambers, you know, I mean, in which you will only allow people who will 100% agree with you. Otherwise, you know, you will, you will do all you can in order to try to to get rid of them, you know, because you will you, you will label those people as trolls. That happened to me, actually. You know, I, uh, some years ago, I used to frequent this uh, Catholic forum in which I guess I was <laughs> the, the troll. <laughs> I mean, not because I, I, I was, uh, you know, actually picking a fight on people or, or attacking them or insulting You're them. You're just questioning. Or I was... Yeah, but I was questioning them, and I was trying to to to, to uh, show arguments to, to why I was in disagreement with a lot of things that you know they held very dear to them. For uh, in topics like, uh, for example, homosexuality or why women are not allowed to be uh, to become priests. In the Catholic Church, yeah, and, and things like that, right? And uh, to make a long story short, you know, that after a while, uh, the, the site, I guess, kind of like uh, got revamped. You know, I guess they, they they did something, some kind of like update or something. And then when I went uh, in to the site to look for my comments, I realized that all of them had been deleted. Huh. So I took that, you know, I took the hint and said, well, I guess, you know, this this is uh, futile, you know, even though I, I like to think that maybe I managed to, if not convince people, because you, if, if you think that you're going to, you're going to convince yeah, someone that, that, that they're wrong, I mean, God damn it, you're deluding yourself. No, but if not convince them, then at least you know trying to 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 challenge them and maybe you know plant a little seed in their heads that if they're honest enough and they, and they are you know open minded enough that seed might take root and start to you know change a bit yeah. how they of how they think. You know, I, something you said, Miguel, about you know sort of having your comments deleted reminded me of of something there in a lot of public schools a couple of years ago there was a big push for this awareness of young people to realize that whatever they did on the internet was permanent um yeah. which i mean i think is a great sentiment because they don't realize that all the time but there's an angle to that that doesn't get talked about either is that like so much of what you do is impermanent if people have the right amount of power um yeah and they, and they can completely censor and um I mean, we like to think that there are no more gatekeepers now that, you know, the mainstream media is continuing to, to crumble. But in a way, like in, in a way, there still can be gatekeepers. They are just wearing sort of a different garb than they used to. Sure. You know, there, there's the, the, the guerrilla skeptics that constantly change and alter uh, 
uh, wiki pages on Wikipedia, you know, especially mm-hmm. particularly on the most controversial topics like you know uh, all these things that we we, we discuss UFOs, yeah, yeah. Uh, life after death, uh, yeah, ghosts, all that exactly. stuff. Exactly, yeah. you know, there 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 is a there's a certain uh, agenda that these people follow, even if they don't really are you know following some kind of like very defined script, but they they have a very uh, very defined way of viewpoint and they will do all of they can in order to enforce their the 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 power or the status they have attained within those uh, web pages in order to maintain and uphold that viewpoint and not letting you know other kind of uh, uh, alternative views to take root and isn't it interesting how you know even the the word alternative is starting to become hijacked and, and, and yeah. by, by, by the political discussion nowadays. And, and, and pretty soon we're not going to be able to use it. Yeah, it's it's going to be – the language will be different and people accrete to groups that are – what probably using language or making words or changing the language and the culture in a way that is is a is a very strong reaction to the top down as it has been and there's a there's a very good you know the the top down thing worked for a long time but it's not it's not working anymore and the thing is that the the growing pain of the not top down approach um, is I think a lot of what we're talking about right now, where everybody has a, an opinion, everybody's opinion is supposedly a good one, or at least uh, a good one in your group, until they hear something they don't want to hear. Um, but that you know, that's that's not the internet's problem. That's the problem of people just emotionally reacting to things. And I don't know what that goes back to. Does it go back to upbringing? Does it? I have no idea. Education. Um, I mean. <sighs> <laughs> I have a That's a, it's a kind of a nature nurture uh, thing, you know, with with regards to people's you know emotional attachments to their opinions, and I think you know, it's a very a na- very nature thing. But the nurture part should be training you not to have to you know be so scared when somebody disagrees with you. I I, I think that's how I was you know taught when I grew up in school and by my parents. Um, consider other people's opinions. If they're full of crap, then you know they're full of crap, and just, you could you can call them that, or if you think so. But if they're not, or they challenge what you're thinking, consider it for a bit before you freak out. Make sure you know exactly what they're saying before you freak out. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's—I think it's the sort of—I think that that the centralization of certain—I think the centralization of policies um, in this country, at least, has helped to force this one-size-fits-all. Um, approach on a lot of different groups, and I think that this generation coming up, you know, sort of my millennial generation, maybe the generation just just below me, um, are are sort of more receptive to assimilation than <laughs> than than previous generations. You know, despite all this lip service to individuality, I think that uh, I don't. I think that it, they they won't. I, I think that there's 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 sort of a drive for this homogenization of of uh, of of their peers. I don't know that that was not articulate at all. Um, 
a lot of ums and uhs. So that's highly unprofessional. Unprofessional. Okay, you can't <laughs> have that on on uh, professional show that's purporting to be a professional radio show, right? <laughs> Which I never have. The only part I purport to be professional is I want the damn sound to be good. So at least that's good. Anyway, um, yeah, it's. I don't think it's. Um, I, I I really deeply believe that it has something to do. It's very generational, um, and you know, for the fact that that people will tell me as um, as uh, Ren did, for all the respect I have for him, we just have a different opinion. I don't think that everybody can do. Every, you know, every person every person born has a potential to be to change the world. Not that, because that, if that if that was the case, then we'd have more people changing the world, I suppose. And I guess his argument is, well, they just don't try hard enough. But that to me, that's like saying you know you can't, and uh, it, it's it's taking it out of context. But I can't lift a thousand pound weight no matter how hard I try. I don't have the muscle power for it. There's a couple people in the world that probably do, or a few. Um, and the same with intellectual pursuits. I mean, I, try as I can, I can't understand some of these things that I read about and want to understand. It's just too it's too high level for me, and I, I admit well- it. I, I see this. I see this working with, you know, especially middle schoolers all the time who are playing instruments. And I look at them and I'm like, I like to believe that everybody can do everything. But a, you might not be a musician, but b, this you are certainly not made to play, you know, the trombone, the tuba, the you know, whatever I'm looking at them on. It's like they're just physio- physiologically, this is more of a struggle for you than it should be. And while not impossible, it might as well be impossible. Um, but that's that's not a very popular, you know, not a very popular opinion. Well, and not it, it. Not everybody is going to be able to figure out all this stuff we're talking about here. It's just, I, I, I think it's beyond some people, and very easy for other people, and confusing to all of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't even know where I'm pushing this conversation here. I mean, either of you can cut in and, and take over, but, um, mm-hmm. the, I think part of the problem with. Uh, uh, ufology is that and a lot of these things is that it has not accepted that it's complete democracy because the the top down doesn't work i'm almost i'm almost certain of that top down is not going to work in figuring out anomalies especially ufo stuff but i think um that ridiculously democratic uh uh, treatment of the subject will Uh, people say well god it's so horrible now it's like I don't know how it could get any worse. Why can't we just encourage, you know, people who are motivated, smart and and doing something different to do that? That's partially why I had Jeff Ritzman on. Yeah. You know, I it, you may not agree with what he's doing, but damn it, at least he's doing something and he's doing something that he put some thought into. And and some intelligent thought and he has definite reasons for it and he's not, you know, he's not trying to contact Ashtar, he's not saying that he's right, he's not saying that um, what anything you want to put on the ufology thing right now, you know, charlatanism, all that, none of that. It's just like, I have a question, I'm pursuing that question, and I'm basically doing it myself. If you can help me financially, great. If not, I'm perfectly happy to, you know, still share what I have with you. And that, to me, that's the exact attitude. Agree with him or not, that's the exact attitude I, I like. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would totally agree with that. I mean, I think that, Sometimes I think that might be the only way to understand this. Again, if you look at like it's baked right into uh, 
the phenomena itself. It's it's high, it seems to be highly individualized. Um, mm-hmm. You know that old chestnut about you know multiple witnesses seeing different things, but all seeing something anomalous. I mean, that, that seems like a, a no brainer in a lot of ways that this should be approached from a highly democratic, um, standpoint. Yep. Yeah. I think that, uh, the phenomenon is very grassroots, very like, uh, like you said, Greg, very, it's influence, uh, flows from the bottom up. Instead of, you know, from the top down. You mean the and, phenomenon's influence? Yeah, the phenomenon's yeah, yeah. influence. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm just, just, get, just make, getting it straight, sorry. Yeah, and, and, and at the same time, you know, the way that it changes the culture is because uh, most of the people who are interested in that, I mean, we're, we're all outsiders. You know, we are, we're all uh, in the outliers of culture and sometimes you know it, it's the best position imaginable in order to change it you know because sometimes it's easier for an outsider to actually have a greater influence on the culture in a very subversive in a very uh, underground kind of way you know that than someone who is uh you know on a on a on a high position in the mainstream. You know, it's, it's the reason why politicians who have the best of intentions, once they got elected, get elected, they, they hardly ever change anything significantly in the system. Because by the time they, they, they get to those positions, it's too late. You know, they, they, they have the, 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 their, their hands tied. You know, they, they, right. they run into so much red tape and so much opposition, and 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 they, and and they realize probably that that the system is, at the same time, so complex and so fragile, <laughs> that the only thing they, they they end up wanting to do is try not to have the goddamn thing to blow up <laughs> on their, their face while they're in office. <laughs> For an outsider, you know, an outsider doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. You know? So it yeah. says, yeah, turn it down, break it all down. Yeah, because they, they they have no financial, emotional, or survival investment in that system. Exactly. That's kind of what I, I keep pushing at. The one thing I got from my little conversation with, and I hate to say it again, Jacques Vallée, was he said the answer can come from anywhere, meaning exactly what we're saying right here. The answer can come from anywhere. Anyone that's motivated enough, intelligent enough, and innovative enough and able to communicate that to other people can have an impact. And I, I truly believe that, even if somebody's going to come on and say the person is not doing ufology any favors. In fact, I don't want them to do ufology any favors. I want them to tell ufology to go take a hike and do exactly what they want to do and come back and show all of us what they did. Um, it, it could be useful. Sorry, I'm, uh, I, the, there was something that I kicked. When I was getting emotional. I actually kicked a plug out of the wall. Decided <laughs> <laughs> so to plug um, it back in. Yeah, I mean I, that's that's part of the reason that like why I have a hard time wrapping my head around the conversation with Jeff not doing any good because I thought you know at this point I, I feel like it's a lot of things. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's from what I understand, it's better than it has been in a while in terms of new ideas. But yeah. there is this sensation of of stalling, 
And I think any new idea, as long as it seems, I mean, I had never heard of Jeff's method, you know, his, 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 you know, five step method to, you know, encountering the anomalous. Um, it's a new idea. Let's try it out. Even if it's completely bunk, you know, it, but let's, let's try it out and see if it works. It's something new, you know? Yeah. Um, no matter how insane it sounds we, or, or how respectable it sounds. I hate that word. Go ahead. But the interesting thing is that it's a, it's, I mean, you can get the people who are Greerites, you know, thinking that it will probably work. Oh, you can, I'm sure you can call down the spaceships with your brain. And you can get people like us who are much more into these, you know, sort of ideas that Jeff has about anti-structure and about, the, you know, contacting the other, yeah. getting on board. I mean, it, it seems like a pretty, um, seems like a pretty, not sane, that's a, <laughs> using the exact opposite of the word that you, you hate, um, yeah. but a pretty measured um, idea. And uh, I think we, I think what everybody across the board would agree is something that you really, you know, doubled down on is that if it's replicable, it's what we should be doing because that's the only way to, to, to move this whole, you know, behemoth forward as it were. Yeah. When, when everybody can see for, or a lot of people can see for themselves that there's something going on. I don't care if Greer can call down whatever with this or James Galliland or whatever with their, with their chanting or their flashlights or whatever. The only problem is that they've become involved with people that most people would say those people are nuts. I think a quiet kind of like, go try this yourself. I'm not going to stand out there with you. I'm not going to charge you any money. You don't have to come over to my place. You don't have to be in my group. Go try this thing yourself and mm-hmm. see what this information is given freely and with a, appropriate warnings and go try it yourself. And if something happens, come tell us about it See and see what's going on. That to me is, even if it's completely useless in the long run, it is a step in the right direction in, in the democratization of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, uh, like uh, the impact that people like Terence McKenna have, you know, in, in fields like, I don't know, psychology, psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are a lot of, you know, very respectable psychologists who said, ah, oh, no, they're, they're these people who are using all these dangerous substance, they're not doing the field any favors, you know. What is this, you know, that's going to these uh, uh, primitive, superstitious people in the Amazons and, 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 and actually thinking that, the, the, that these substances that they have used for millennia have something to teach to the Western world, you know. But guess what? You know, look what's happening right now. You know, there is... There is uh, the West is embracing, embracing all these uh, uh, ancient techniques and all these teachings that come from outside the Western cultures. Who, who, who it, the, what used to be an outside uh, influence, you know, the, the ayahuasca, uh, ibogaine, um, you know, uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah, DMT, uh, yeah, all that. DMT. Yeah, now it's, it's the, the the Western world is saying, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe this has some value after all, you know, maybe if you give a a, a dose of psilocybin to a, a terminal cancer patient, well, maybe it may not cure the patient of, of its illness, but if it does, if it does something to alleviate 
all, all the tension that is caused yeah. by you know the the, the 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 facing of their own mortality, and it right. does something to ease that pain. Well, I mean, whatever go works. for it. Yeah, and let's yeah, let's embrace it. Let let's explore it. We, like you said, you never know where something coming from the outside is going to have a huge fundamental change. I mean, there was this uh, small elderly woman uh, living in that some godforsaken town in in, in the in the uh, in, in Oaxaca, you know, in the Oaxaca mountains, uh-huh. by the name of Maria Sabina. Oh yes, uh, R. Gordon Wasson's uh, uh, friend. Exactly, and then that man writes an art, a little article on Time Magazine, and then boom, the whole of Western culture had a huge turnaround. Yeah, or, or a certain segment of it. I mean, it's not; it didn't change. Well, you're right; it did. I mean, um, it did because Wasson Wasson re- actually led to Leary and Alpert. Sure, and then there's the the, the whole counterculture and all these uh, and all these young people who say, "Wait a minute, why why uh, is it that I have to go and die in Vietnam?" You know, and 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 all these infights, you know, and 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 that scared the shit out of the mainstream. Yeah. That's why you know Richard Nixon said, you know, we have to get a hold on all this thing, or or or, or you know, shit's gonna go down. Yeah, and that's why you know. There was this forty years of censorship or unbanning on all this research that could have a huge beneficial impact in humanity. And yeah. I guess the same thing maybe could be said about UFOs. You know, I, I, I nowadays I tend to look to the phenomenon, the UFO phenomenon and and and, and psychedelic substances, it kind of like a different metaphor for the same thing, you know what I mean? Yes, I do know what you mean. The fact that you mentioned that, that there was that upheaval, I, I, I kind of see that going on in, in Anomaly's research now to the point where there are certain people, you know, that have been around it for a while, at least the ones I know, at least for, you know, five or ten years, and a few that have been a lo- around a lot longer than that, who are, I, I think, excited by the fact that the paradigm might be, might be upset, and they they see hope in that. That's what I see hope in is just people saying, "I'm going to do this thing, and I don't care what you think." And if I can bring it back and have other people experience the same thing, maybe this grassroots thing, like you pointed out, Miguel, about uh, the entire um, Western world, maybe UFO study and paranormal study will be there'll be a whole new segment of it. I don't even know what it's called, but it has to do with opening up experiences, opening up. Person, you know, personal um, responsibility for how to how to how to deal with these experiences, being agnostic and non-emotional about what the the outcomes are, and then my biggest wish is not being trying to keep ego in check, so you don't get people like Greer and 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 I guess to some extent Steve Bassett and people like that, where it's like it's a huge ego trip for them. I think that that's part of the problem too. Concentrate on the subject. Concentrate on the, the the solutions or your studies and and growing communities of people that can help you with this. Help you with whatever your idea is. And if you can't, do it yourself. You know, be 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 a Nikola Tesla or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suspect, and this is of course, <laughs> some people find this kind of strange and dubious, but I suspect that we are not the drivers of this. I suspect that. <laughs> 
there is whatever hand is behind the scenes is is the one that is uh, is sort of pushing this forward. Um, you know, I think about the ways that I, I, I'm um, going to ask you to explain, even though you're about to do that. <laughs> well, I, I feel like the ways that the magical community talks about. I mean, if you look at if you look at the resurgence of occultism and sort of the discovery of significant magical finds in the past, I don't know, 10, less than 10 years, everything seems like it's ramping up. Um, if you think about the way that, I mean, ayahuasca is on a tear through the world, especially through the West or, you know, the, what we consider the West, Western culture, you know, sort of Western slash European culture, I guess, I guess South America is not considered part of the West. Anyway, um, <laughs> even though it's in the West. Yeah. Anyway, um, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, the if Aristotelian the way, Western scientific model. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. If you look at the way another sacred substance uh, like marijuana is sort of on its way, making great strides throughout, uh, you know, Point. northern. Yeah, the uh, again through the West, for lack of a better term, North America. Um, I think uh, Miguel's. It to seems as if there are driving forces, and I'm kind. I'm intrigued by. I'm intrigued by the idea that. Old things are awakening because there is this need for them, this vacuum. Um, I'm intrigued by that idea because if you look at you know the way a lot of you know in an animist worldview, a lot of these substances, substances or whatever, um, have a personality. That's something that McKenna also mentioned too. Is that you know, they were, oh, you're they're, talking they're, about the hand of the whatever that freeing element is, not the hand of somebody saying let's do this. You're just talking about sort of a paradigm shift by the. I, by by the I, I, methods and substances or whatever the spirit of it themselves, I, I think there's some. I, I, I'm inclined to think that there's some sort of um, campaign of spirit that is awakening, which I sounds see. so freaking light and fluffy. Yes, but I know. I, I know. I, but 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 I, but but it really has that sense. If you look away that you know ayahuasca is considered a spirit, if if there is anything to that in some sort of objective way, then there is a mission going on there. Um, yep. You know, if and I would say that with a lot of, I would say that with a lot of psychedelics in general, um, yeah, and, and, and that's that's sort of my take. And, and with the way that I tend to look at things like altered states and whatnot being tied up in this whole whole uh, can of worms, I suspect that perhaps something in the anomalous field is doing the same thing. Um, I, I think that might be part of the reason for the for the sort of you know greater acceptance of some of these things that we're seeing. Yeah, I, th- I and oh, go ahead, Miguel. Were you going to say something? Yeah, well, just uh, agreeing with uh, Josh because I have uh, heard uh, this idea being mentioned in, in, in psychedelic circles that the reason why ayahuasca came out of the Amazons is because you know the, somehow uh, if you want to give agency to to the force behind uh, the the brew, Mother Ayahuasca, if you want to give that name, yeah. it realized, or somehow there's this idea that uh, that it had to get out of the Amazon because the Amazon is dying, you know? There's, so there was, the only chance that the Amazon was going to survive is by Ayahuasca to get out of the jungle, you know, uh, reach out to people in the Western world who are now going to the jungle you know, to have these mystical experiences mm-hmm. that couldn't they couldn't find 
in their civilized, antiseptic, you know, mechanized world, having this huge transformation and also as a bonus, realizing that they, they had to do something in order to try to save the Amazons and try to save as many uh, indigenous plant species as we can, because, you know, we, our own existence is in the balance. You know, and maybe the same thing, you know, those same kind of like uh, um, currents are at play in other phenomena like uh, uh, the UFO phenomena. Sometimes I've, I once thought that maybe the, one of the reasons why cryptozoology became kind of like more popular in, uh, in the Internet by the early 2000s is because there was this idea uh, very, you know, intangible or very subjective or very uh, veiled, very veiled idea that uh, we needed to find out all these species, you know, Bigfoot or, you know, Tasmanian tiger or, you know, the yeah, Loch Ness Monster. Find and categorize. Yeah, yeah, we need to find them before they actually die out, you know. I, mean, oh, I see, yeah. Wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be the, wor the worst tragedy ever, you know, if Bigfoot became extinct before it was actually recognized by science? <laughs> if you go, obviously, if you go by the model that Bigfoot is actually a flesh and blood creature, which, you know, sometimes I play entertain that idea sometimes i don't you did know, you hear like what you said, Dave, you know? yeah did you hear mm -hmm. what weatherly said when he was on he said no, i think bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature with psychic abilities <laughs> which i thought was interesting i i will yeah. entertain that idea meaning you know switch between not not to take us too off, more far off track but to it, it has <laughs> the ability almost without even thinking to switch between times or spaces or whatever you want to call it so that it appears to disappear or it appears to walk into a stand of trees and not be there there anymore or whatever but it just knows how to do that like 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 a uh, alligator or, or some kind of uh, something that uh, finds uh, it can get out of the water or into the water or whatever to get away from prey it just automatically does it he believes that maybe bigfoot and other cryptozoological type entities have this ability as well Anyway. I mean, if it makes as much sense as anything else, you know, I suppose. And yeah. obviously these, these distinctions, you know, to a, a, to a member of an Amazonian tribe would make no sense whatsoever. Why? Because to them, I mean, nature is magical. <laughs> you know? There is, there is, yeah. there is not this uh, trying to divide things into camps okay this is purely material yeah and this is purely spiritual to them that's nonsense you know that yeah. everything is intermingled yeah it's all and, part and of the I, same I thing that, yeah and that i think that we need to reconsider that idea okay yeah bigfoot may have uh, some paranormal properties if you want to call them that and i you, you guys know that i really don't re like the term paranormal but okay it's what we have in the language the same way that maybe you know uh like what our friend mike lemon was, was exploring with his research you know with owls you know well maybe there's something in owls you know not not because they were you know like 
trained by the aliens or they put some kind of like implant in the aliens in order yeah, to, it, it, to it is a key, it is a key that unlocks uh, in a way a key that unlocks a certain segment of uh, of knowledge or experience sure and then you in, you entertain these ideas and you pretty quickly start to develop a, a, a an animistic worldview and some people mm-hmm. will say, well, you know, that's just nonsense because then it's, it's as if we were negating, you know, all the hundreds of years of the, since the Enlightenment. But, well, maybe if uh, modern science is given a bit more of time, they, modern science will lead us back to an animistic worldview, an anim- a worldview in which... Uh, Consciousness is non-local, in which consciousness is actually the building, bro- uh, building block of whole reality. And that right. will surely give us a, a, an entirely different paradigm by which we may be able to ha- uh, find uh, more insights about the things that we really can't wrap our heads ab- around yeah. by using these current materialist models such as the ufo phenomena for example yeah it's gonna it's like it's like i've been talking about for a while it's, it's got to do a runaround somehow and explain weird stuff in a way that makes it seem normal because the the view of reality or whatever you want to call it, the view of the the our view of how things work and our our participation in it will change how we think about Anomalies and maybe make them not anomalistic anymore. It's just another. It's just another part of the. Uh, like you can't. You go out into the forest. You can't always see a what uh, a mountain lion, but some people can. So we know that mountain lions exist. So the object here is to do some sort of change in the way that we look at things, that more people can see that mountain lion, and it becomes and people accept that that thing exists, um, even though that they did, not everybody can see it on demand. Yep. If you go into, out into that forest, you got a better chance. If you do what Jeff Ritzman said, you got a better chance. That kind of thing, possibly. What you said about ayahuasca too, and about it having, and, and, and that Josh first brought up, um, made me think of uh, one. Um, a friend of mine brought ayahuasca and was growing it at his house in um, Austin in, in the mid '90s. So that started way back. Uh, and mm. two. Uh, and both of you know about this, I, I know Miguel does, that the people in the Amazon that used it um, told them, because there's a very unlikely mix of different um, plants that makes ayahuasca psycho, uh, psychedelic, or whatever it is, uh, active, psychoactive. Yeah, psychoactive in the human brain. And there's, it's really hard to believe that they just by chance happened upon this particular brew of these different things. Um, and the, and they when, when Wasson, or I can't remember, it wasn't Wasson, because he talked, when anthropologists first went and asked them, how did you figure this out? They said, the plant told us. Yep. So how did the plant tell them if they didn't, you know, did the plant talk to them? Did somebody figure out, did they retroactively figure it out because of, because uh, time disappears when you use it or what? How did the plant tell them? <laughs> You know. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's it's the actual DMT comes from uh, Psychotria viridis or uh, 
I think it's other this other leaf I can't remember, but the actual and it and, and if you were to drink a tea out of that, you wouldn't experience anything that pronounced because of um, MAO um, because of monoamine oxidase uh, in your stomach. But right, if right, you right. add if you, if you add Benisteriopsis copy. Right, right. Or, MAO inhibitors. Or the, other, or the, yeah, the yeah. vine, the vine, the, the, the actual ayahuasca part one. that I yeah. say. Yeah, the ayahuasca vine. It actually is an MAO inhibitor, and uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're able to absorb it uh, through the stomach. So it's it's interesting. I've always found that interesting that the that mother ayahuasca wasn't the source of the hallucinogenic compound. It was the enabler in some ways. I always found that sort of a little bit uh, a little bit quaint. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 Say that again. The the, oh, the, I, the 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 ayahuasca vine is not the source of the DMT. It's the it's it's, it's like the enabler vine. Oh right, right. Okay, it's so, it's the MAO inhibitor part. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in in some ways, and I said it was quaint, but maybe I should I should sort of um, elaborate on that. It, to me, it's almost like it, it it has even in that even in that scientific capacity, it's more of a guiding force. You know, it's an enabler. It's a facilitator. Just like the brew itself is a facilitator of communication with yourself, or if you want to believe and ascribe to you know native lore the, the, of connecting with something greater. Um, but uh, it, but also in that sense, getting back to what you were talking about, yeah, the natives said that the vine calls, and if you think about all, I mean, I, I guess you have to assume that sometime you know five thousand years ago there were some tribesmen who just had like this one leaf and they were just like mixing and mashing but if anybody's ever done a handshake problem for math knows how maddening that sort of you know how many combinations are their equation can be it's it, it boggles the mind that it could be complete chance it really does yeah i really like this idea that okay the ayahuasca itself is not the psychoactive substance. It's the enabler, it's the mediator of the experience, right? But that in itself is Mm. why it's so revered. Well, why if the UFO phenomenon functions the same way? What what (laughs) we call the UFOs is not really, you know, the the important part of the experience, but but it's the mediator of the experience of contact, you know, with uh, 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 another form of intelligence. But now maybe the, the, the reason why we're not finding the, the, the answers is because we're focused on the UFO the same way that maybe, you know, ethnobotanists were trying to find the psychoactive substance in ayahuasca itself, and they were, damn it, they weren't finding it, and they weren't finding it until they realized, oh, you know, turns out ayahuasca has a completely different function. And maybe the same way that we say, oh, wait a minute, you know, maybe... UFOs are not you know, the center of it, but it's it's the mediating agent by yeah. which we human can interact with it. Right, or the the visible, rememberable. Yeah. Co- 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 what's the word? Um, co- Cognitive uh, thing that you can connect with that allows something to happen instead of otherwise it would the, that object that you're seeing in the air would would not exist. Um, if it wasn't trying to lead you to something else that's far more important than the object in the air, like the like the dog the dog looking at the finger pointing example that I use. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way, but that that makes that I like that idea because it fits in with my it sort of fits in with my co creation um, uh, hobby horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
in a, in, a, in a slightly different way too, in a, a creative and 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 cool way that I would like to uh, pursue. That's a good one. That's I like that analogy. Thanks. So, oh, I, I don't have a bunch of questions written out because I, I'm uh, once again I'm doing the thing the guy told me not to do is like is having your friends on. <laughs> How unprofessional of you, sir! What not having any questions? Um, when I had MJ on, I actually I had never talked to him except but the once, and I actually had my twenty questions written out, and we didn't get through all of them because that's often what happens. But mm-hmm. uh, and the other thing is, he wanted to ask me questions too, which was fine. I mean, I, that that's that was fun, and I liked it. Are either of you involved in something that you would uh, like to uh, talk about, bring up, or complain to me about? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody piss you um, off recently? Uh, um, do you have a new guru? What's the best new book you're you're working your way through right now? There we go. There's there's a ton of professional uh, gauge questions. <laughs> just just the usual crap. Um, no, it's um. Well, I, I, I'm still working on uh, research for my third book, um, which is on um, paranormal child abduction from fairy faith uh, all the way through UFO UFO lore. So I'm still hacking away at that huge data set. Like I, I hopeful I, I hope to be done with research by the end of May. That's my goal. I've been going at it since the beginning of the year, and it's. Um, I know most people like take years to write books, but I'm very impatient when it comes to this. This is always the hardest part. The writing part's the easy part for me. So, um, oh really? Yeah. The writing to me is the hardest part. The researching is the fun part. Well, to to be fair, the re- in the research, I'm as I'm I'm structuring it as I go, so I have to think about like flow and organization a uh. little bit more than yeah. So I, I'm I'm basically putting meat on the bones when I end up sitting down to write. Oh um, yeah, well that, that's what I do too. Otherwise, if I don't have a skeleton going on, I don't, I, sure. I can't, I can't get through it. It's for a book size well, project. Maybe I should, maybe I should uh, elaborate on that a little bit more. If I don't have, I, I'm putting skin on the muscles. How about that? <laughs> so it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's skeletal and musculature, and then I, yeah, muscular rather, and then I put some skin on. Um, so I'm hacking my way through that, and uh, see, has anybody, has anybody ticked me off lately? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, where did the road go? Finally, has merchandise. That's exciting. Yeah, I know. Every time I see things like this, I'm like, I got to get more listeners. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to get some merchandise, and then I, I feel weird about it. But I would like to have some merchandise. I, I just, I wouldn't know what to put on it. I mean, I don't really have a logo. Oh well, I do have a bunch of logos, but the uh, artist gave those to me for free, and I don't want to make money off them unless I split it with them. So maybe right, I can talk, sure. or I can, uh, or I can talk to Miguel about ma- making up a new one at some point when he has some time. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I, th- I, I've been thinking about doing such things. I just haven't really made the effort to do such things because it's commercializing and it, it makes me feel weird, and it shouldn't. You know, just, just things like that. It's like, hey, or something. If you want to support the show, go ahead and buy it. If not, then don't. I don't mind. I just I feel weird about doing a pledge drive because then I feel like, oh, if people are. You know, if I'm asking for money directly, then I feel like I have to produce. <laughs> we can we, we can have uh, we can have um, we can have like we can man, man the phones and everything will be great. Yeah, um, on the Writing Mysterioso um, website in the chat part there down on the right, John says, "Isn't this the part in the show when Greg pre- pro- promised to turn to discussion from drugs to the 70th anniversary of Roswell?" 
I was just asked to write something on the 70th anniversary of Roswell, and I'm thinking, well, what can I write? I don't know what handle to use for that because I don't know whether it happened. I don't know what happened there. Maybe I can just go wait, over all the different wait. things that, that people think happen. Yeah, like sort of a sort of a, a a like that also probably make the job of writing it easier too. Just in terms of um, just in terms of you know, you can almost sort of do really fleshed out bullet points. I guess so. And the weird thing is, and I don't know how many people would care, but I still have tapes of of Bill Moore's original interviews when he went out to Roswell in 1978. I have cassettes of some of those. I've never I listened care to about them. That. Yeah. I've I, never listened to some of them. I'm scared to put them in a tape machine because it might ruin them at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe I'll put one of them in and just start it running and see if anything happens cause, and be ready to digitize it immediately. Because what I wanted to do a long time ago, and I haven't done it, obviously I haven't done this yet, was to take these some, some of these digitized, I think I only got two of them. One of them is with Lydia Sleppy, who was the teletype operator at the radio station who got the message not to send out the story about the flying disc being captured. Oh, okay. I've heard, seen online arguments about this and people saying, she said this, she said that. I'm thinking, I actually have a tape of what she said when somebody first talked to her after, what, uh, 30 years. So that that might be part of the talk there. It's just saying, hey, here's here's an original interview with somebody and what they said before there was really any... And no, you know, where the second and third wave and fourth and fifth waves of people came through um, trying to sweep up witnesses and uh, talk to them. You know, that's a really good point, though, is is like, Roswell's been done so to death. Like, what what, what do you say about it, you know? What I would what, say... What about, do you say about it that's not going to make a lot of people mad, basically? Well, well, that's I, impossible. Yeah, You're well, I, I can say things that are... Uh, one, uh, support the weirdness of it. Like, you know, people say, oh, it was just stuff written on a balloon. It's like, really? Do you think that, you know, three or four or five different people who said it looked like um, um, hieroglyphics? Are they all wrong? I think if there was English or it looked like, you know, pieces of tape with uh, Easter, like bunny rabbits and stuff on it, I think one of those people would have noticed that. Then on the other hand, you've got, you know, you've got, uh, um, they really were sending up those, those, those balloons. There really, you know, there really was a difference between different, uh, when different people talked to Jesse Marcel, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very complicated thing. And uh, I, I tend to believe that it was something very important and, and military and secret and not something from another planet. But things, you know, the, you know, I don't, I don't accept the, I don't accept the uh, night and all memory, memory metal thing. I just don't, because I don't think they can make foil out of it. They can make um, sticks or whatever uh, uh, wire out of it, but I don't think they can make foil out of it. Uh, if you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. No, I, I do. Sure. I do. So I mean, there, there's. I go ahead. No, I was just going to say it sort of reminds me of something I talked to you about a while ago. Is that I have certain like, I have certain education gaps because I, there on certain topics that have been done to death that uh, I hear a lot of I hear like people talk about all the time, and because I hear so much about it, it sort of goes in one ear and out the other. And those two main things for me are, um, are uh, Roswell and, and uh, MJ twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, me too. In one ear, out the other. Not that, not that I haven't heard these things. No, it's just that, that I you don't, don't know. Have, you've heard yeah. too much. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I uh, yeah, it, it, and some people will be like, well, how can you have an opinion? Well, I, I listened to these things and I formed an opinion and then I tossed it to the side, you know? Yeah, I, I've, I have not formed an opinion about it. I, I basically think it was nothing extraterrestrial, basically. Sure. But yeah. I leave open the possibility because a few things make me wonder. Um, and I, I can't get those things out of my mind. And it's just, it's one of those things where if I was a fundamentalist skeptic, I'll say, well, I'm not. What, the thing is, my, what's the word? My reasonable doubt has not been satisfied all the way. You know, yeah. No, it, I, and I agree. It's like, mostly I mean, satisfied. To put it too. Yeah. I, I still find, I still find it interesting and I appreciate the pageantry of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that, like that little... applied to the Roswell thing, but that's perfect. That's not like a lapsed Catholic. Um, no, I, I appreciate the pageantry <laughs> of it. And like, I, I certainly have an open mind about some aspects of it. But yeah, I mean, overall, I'm, I'm, I fall where you do. Here's uh, maybe a, an interesting approach you could take. You know, is that uh, we are all so uh, well versed with the story of Roswell. After the alleged incident, you know, what happened? What about the Roswell before Roswell? You know, like we know that uh, that little town in New Mexico was linked to outer space even before uh, the the so-called incident that happened in 1947. We know that Robert Goddard, who is the, the father of modern, you know, rocketry, was performing his tests. You know, in 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 Roswell, in Roswell New Mexico, of all places. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, here's what I would like to know: if well, I would like to know if Goddard uh, experienced weird events while he was performing those, those experiments. You know? <laughs> yeah. I would like to know if there there are you know interesting ghost stories coming out of Roswell. You know, that 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 kind of thing that nobody talks about anymore because. Nowadays, everybody talks about, you know, alien bodies in the desert and the crushed saucer and the memory metal and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. You know, I, w- I would like was to know. Was there any spillover? Roswell- yeah, I would like to know if Roswell was weird even before. Yeah. yeah and, came, and, and, temp- not, and temporal spillover, meaning beforehand, just like you said. Yeah. Well, I'll oh, be- man, that makes me that makes me salivate so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go. The, I luckily got um, uh, um, assigned to speak there in. Uh, and this is not where I'm going to talk about something. To, I'm going to talk about the co-creation thing there. But I wonder if I could set up beforehand to be able to talk to a few people and go to the library and look up like, you know, you know, was there a strange creature running around Roswell in you know nineteen thirty eight? Who knows? I'd like to find yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, did 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 uh, basically did the government build Roswell on the Skinwalker Ranch? <laughs> You're asking. Right? Yeah, yeah. You mean the Roswell Army Airfield? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm, but I'm saying the equivalent of the Skinwalker Ranch. You know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. There, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, there's people I need to talk to. I mean, I, I've got to. I've never read all of Carl Flock's book, and people are going to hate me for saying that I would even think of reading that book. Um, I've I've never um, spoken to 
Nick in depth about uh, body snatchers in the desert? Well, I think I have. I think I, I better go back to the interview I did with him a few years ago when the book came out. But you know, these are all different. And you know, uh, maybe I go. You know, maybe I uh, email Bill Moore if he if he'll answer me and say, look, I got a few questions about very early Genesis Roswell stuff. Could you help me out and get and get some of that too? Some something you know. That would count as original research and trying to figure out the what's the word how the myth and the pageantry was built mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there there definitely is a myth built up around it. I mean there's no denying that um, yep, right and myth doesn't mean lie it means things that we say about things to help us deal with them in in a way that's understandable to humans um, so there's a lot of that to me it's kind of like the Kennedy assassination I don't think there's ever going to be a definitive answer about it just because people yeah. don't, you know, the factions don't want to, speaking of factionalism again and emotional attachments, um, there's, there's the, 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 the believer and the non-believer are so invested in what they think about it. They're never, you know, there's always going to be um, evidence on both sides, uh, even if it's tangential or small or whatever. There's going to be that out for everybody, just like Kennedy assassination, just like 9-11, et cetera, et cetera. Even even mm-hmm. if the files are released, I don't think that there's the, if there are any files on Roswell, I don't think there's I don't think personally there's any left that's going to prove anything anyway one way or the other. If it was that important, they're either locked away forever or they were destroyed. Uh, mm-hmm. And the people that were involved with it personally are I I think they're all gone at this point with, with the death of Jesse Marcel Jr. a few years ago. Yeah, right. All the main. First generation witnesses are gone. You know, they're only left are their children, and and that in itself will also, you know, morph uh, the mythology even further. Right. Yeah. Kevin Randall, of all people, changed his opinion about Roswell, and he was he co-wrote the the second big book about it. He's decided it's not hasn't it wasn't extraterrestrial, and he talked to a lot of people. I Why thought he was just recently saying that it was an ET thing, wasn't he? Like okay. as of like, oh, I thought he'd. Like I late, thought he changed his summer. Really, I thought he changed his mind and said it. He was. He was uh, fairly certain it wasn't anymore. Uh, I might be confusing oh, well, that, but I seem to. So I thought I remembered. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Steve's not on here to go wrong. So. Um, <laughs> uh, go rightly. Said, go rightly is listening tonight. Um, basically, the story from Frank Scully's book from the late 40s featured hieroglyphs, dead aliens, and other couple other subsequent reports along the Texas-Mexico border. All of this reported prior to Roswell. Yeah, that's true. I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Um, it was the it was the it was supposedly that crash that was in um... Aztec. Hmm. Yeah, Aztec. Yeah. No, no, this was another one. Um, oh. Uh, on the on the border that turned out, I think it was a Civil Air Patrol air, airplane, but um, it got conflated into this this big story. I, I may be wrong, um, but it had happened right over the border in Mexico, and the U.S. authorities went to pick it up because they didn't want a scandal about it, or I don't know what the what the big deal was, but apparently it was a crash. And a Civil Air Patrol is not any big thing; it's a civilian, you know, uh, branch of the military. Um, but maybe they're doing this something they weren't supposed to, or maybe they had some kind of instrument with them or something. I do not know. But that that was that story, and you you tend to think that that kind of story might have been some stuff put out by the military to get people just to to 
get away from it or you know steer it in a direction that made people not ask questions about a several air patrol plane but more about a uh, little green men type scenario yeah Gretley said it was another one of uh, he says yeah it was another one not aztec yeah okay Tell me you're joking about Aztec, says John. Why, why? Why? What did I say about Aztec? I have no idea about Aztec. I've, 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 I, it, that, oh, actually, wait. Of course I do. It's that um, uh, Leo Leo Jabauer thing, the the oil scan, the oil uh, swindle thing. Yeah. Even even Bill Moore, who was the big uh, UFO, I mean the big uh, Roswell first writer of the Roswell thing, said that uh, he was he found absolute perfect 100% evidence that this was part of a some kind of oil scheme and he told this to Frank Scully and Frank Scully put it in his book mm. uh, and uh, that that was conflated into Roswell later in, in some ways I don't know yeah, I might be talking about uh, talking out my ass but no no Aztec's one of those things that I think I mansplaining pretty aspect, much Aztec to you I remember yeah. uh, I remember I think uh Chris O'Brien describes it as like the Dracula of ufology because every like <laughs> ten years it rises up again until someone puts a stake in its chest and it goes away. Oh, you mean Aztec? Uh, yeah, Aztec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a couple of people on um, coast to coast when I was on uh, a few months ago, and they're it's a couple. I can't remember their name, but they're all into it again. Yeah, yeah. You know, people who know just enough to be dangerous, I guess. Well, just enough to be dangerously on coast to coast. <laughs> I guess. Um, so if Aztec is the Dracula of ufology, is Roswell like the Frankenstein monster? <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, that is made out of different no. parts. No, no, I no, think I it's, think it's the it's, mummy. It's the mummy, yeah, because it's ancient and shambling and dusty. And <laughs> and, and it, it, it refuses to die. Nice. <laughs> and it's all wrapped up in a bunch of stuff and you can't tell what's inside of it that's actually walking around <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, already, we already know that mummies are connected to Roswell <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh nice well done and you a, that's a swish nothing but net right there that's <laughs> awesome Okay, <laughs> these are all ideas I'm going to steal. <laughs> hey, um, Chuck Brewer says he's, he likes – Chuck Brewer likes your post in Radio Mysterioso um, about the show tonight. There, there's somebody I need to bring on the show and talk to. There, there's somebody new. Although, is, is it going to be Echo Chamber again there, uh, you guys? You think it's going to be Echo Chamber if I bring Chuck uh, I don't care if it's Echo Chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I took you seriously because I I think you're right. I know you're right, but you know, I mean, I, and I sort of care, but I sort of don't care. If uh, if 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 you can get people on that wouldn't be so self, if you could get the the Greg Bishop of nuts and bolts, et uh, eth hardline sort of per, uh, personality on, then. Uh, then, then yeah, go go for it. You know who's um, close to that, and you can dissuade me of this, Chris Rutkowski. No, no, I mean, Chris Rutkowski. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good suggestion. Yeah, yeah I, I I was on with him um, when they had me co-host once with uh, Gene Steinberg, and we had a nice talk. And he's you know he's very straightforward, and you know, and I, I would like to talk to him because he I think he said. 
I think I saw um, a, a comment by him where he said that you know this this uh, psychological mumbo jumbo stuff is all fine and good, but it's not you know bringing us any closer because we have to find you know um, scientific evidence. And I'd like to have him on and convince me that what I'm talking about and when you and I and 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 the people we know are are interested in and think is important. Convince me that that's wrong, or convince me that it's not as important as I think it is. Yeah. That that would be nice. That would be a challenge. And the thing is, he's he's one of those people that does, he just does not. He does not have an. As far as I can tell, he doesn't have an emotional attachment to his. He if he does, it's it's covered up very well to his um, uh, thesis. He just tries to you know dispassionately find evidence that will convince people that are serious scientists that this is something worth looking into, and that's commendable. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that that. I'm interested in, or most of the people in this echo chamber are. <laughs> but that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, that's just one little more kick for me. So I'll, I'll contact Chris. I mean, of course, I know him online, and I've had some some uh, interaction with him. So, and I've got a couple of his books. I, I got them off him at the at the um, 2016 um, uh, International UFO Conference, the one that uh, Miguel and I went to. Mm. Part of the reason I want to do the show is because I, when somebody, it used to really bother me for days, weeks, when somebody said something like, your show sucks. Um, at this point, I've just, it kind of bothers me for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, if I'm in a bad mood, half a day, and then I move on. But it was bothering me enough that when I contacted you guys, I was like, I want to say something about this shit with my friends on the kid. So um, thank you so much for uh, coming on and, and letting me vent a little bit and then moving on to more important things, which we did. A distinct pleasure. Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, who gets to pick the uh, outro music? Yes. You guys, you guys want to flip a coin there, a virtual coin? A fl- flip a Bitcoin. <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to, you want me to flip a uh, online coin flip? What, what call it, Miguel? What's your what's your side? Because I I don't have time to having to think of what I would even say. Uh, hit. Okay. Hold on. It had already flipped, but I'm going to flip it again. It flipped as you said it. There we go. Heads. Yep. Heads. So it's you. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Mm. It's got to be on YouTube too, or I must have it, but it's more likely it's going to be on YouTube. Which? Oh no, we uh, we still have five minutes. I mean, we can talk about other stuff while you think. <laughs> okay, uh, we you could put uh, "Sopilotes" by Café Tacuba, you know, which is about Roswell. Yes, I. Uh, strangely enough, I actually have that on my. On my iTunes, <laughs> because nice. I imagine th- that. Yeah, because I think you. Yeah, th- there's another thing I can use during the talk, right? Um, yeah. Because I think you were on one time and picked it, and I liked the song so much that I kept it. Mm. Uh, let me see. Okay, um, thanks, Miguel and Josh, for being on the show, and uh, and <laughs> bye, thanks, guys. bye, bye, Th- and thanks everybody for listening. Here's uh, "Sopilotes" by Café Tacuba. If it comes up. La fieron caer del cielo, bula de metal y fuego cayó arriba y en el cerro carne para carroñeros. Los opilotes en círculo van localizando el sitio fatal. 
Los opilotes en círculo van Hoy de la muerte se alimentará Los cuerpos ya chamuscados alguno no parecen ser humanos hijos o pilotes sabios Los o pilotes en círculo están Nadie se atreve el primero a probar Los o pilotes mirados están Nadie esperaba esto encontrar Estrellas que 